podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Rap, Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, and John, what we're calling the teacher special. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I mean, I'd say they're fairly chipper guys anyway, but you should have seen them bouncing to the office, <laughs> glowing, looking terrific. <laughs> Ties it on the heads. They look, they look very well, don't they? Oh, yeah, yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Never yeah. seen the likes. Yeah, we all look a show. Yeah, yeah. we all yeah, absolutely. Whereas these two, they look they, they just just look like men who've lost five years in the last. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not saying they don't love the jobs. If anyone's listening from the respective skills, yeah. uh, but um, but yeah, I think they're, I think they're enjoying themselves. Yeah, I think it's and why it's, not? Yeah, it's probably been it's been intense since wit. Uh, <laughs> one of those things that's only in school and parliamentary timetables and wit, uh, and they've got themselves settled down now for the summer holidays. We've got Paul Johnson and we've got Stu Wright uh, to talk about Liverpool for the next hour or so. We're also going to be joined in the middle of this by Jay McKenna, who uh, is going to be speaking about the SOS uh, rail seating poll uh, that was that was run over the last few days. You must know about it by now and anyway. When we get to it, <clears throat> Jay will be in there talking about it and explaining it to all of that. should be quite clear and straightforward for you. Uh, but before then, uh, we need to talk about what's happening at Liverpool and start with Paul first. The two of you don't do that many shows as we know and it's always great to get you in. So you've been throughout much of the summer watching all this unfold and we find ourselves, you know, there's a lot to be excited about at the weekend's game against Hertha Berlin. Salanka looked good, Salah looked good, mm-hmm. Liverpool looked lively, the players who hadn't had that many games last season, they look quite good, but there's still no Van Dijk and there's still no Keita. It's a bit mad, isn't it? It's it's like you've just said, there seem to be loads of positives from, from, from the performance, um, but you, when you speak to people and in the general feeling, it's, it's like there it seems like there's something missing. And and even you know obviously it could well be the the players you know who who we've been so you know looking looking to buy, but you just feel as if everything's going in the right direction, but you just you just feel like you're missing that final piece, and it it could be a piece, could be pieces, but then it goes quiet, and then and as you say you 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 you're looking at the press, you you're waiting for things to come out, and nothing does, and you just I'm just a bit concerned that we're we're, we're getting to what it's it's only over a week. Well, it's August. It? It's August yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you know it's a week Saturday basically is is our first game, and you know okay the window lasts longer than that, but. You know, we, there's been times in the, in the past when a lot of work's been done early, a lot of deals have been done early. So you know, your, your squads there, your players who, who, who the manager wants, and it's not really happened this season. So I'm, I'm a little bit concerned. Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Um, I, I think they, once the news broke about the problems we had with Van Dijk, uh, what feels like a lifetime ago now, uh, I kind of settled on the fact that if we were to get him, and I still do believe that we'll get him, it wouldn't be until right at the death of the transfer window, really. So I've kind of accepted the fact that we'll start with, you know, the centre-halves that we had last year, by and large. And uh, I'm I'm fairly comfortable with that one because... I mean, I wouldn't be if we if, if I knew that that's that was the pain that we had all season and there were no other options because of the injury record that they've got. But I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of settled on that. It's the it's the midfield one that's been the real disappointing one for me so far. It's Kaiser. I know he was he was a bonus. He was seemed as an extra, and I do hear a lot of talk about. You know, we won't go after someone else now if if, if it's true that we're, we're not pursuing them anymore, which I don't entirely believe. But if that's true, a lot of talk about us not going after anyone else, and. I find that a bit mad because I look at it and I think, although we are we are blessed with very good players there, I still feel we're, we're one short now. When you look at the fixtures for this season, I feel like we could do with getting another one over the line. And at the start of the, the summer, it looked like we were we were going to pursue Cater and Oxley Chamberlain. I thought, well, that'll that'll give us 
that'll give us riches of plenty really in midfield and I, I felt very very happy with that um, I still think that we need another body in there another top class body in that, in that centre midfield area I'm not sure you're going to get him to be honest with you uh, mate and I think there's obviously a bit more of a determination to pay Coutinho there more and I think he really likes to look at what being there as well and I, th- I think he's, he's looking at it and thinking well they're the, the kind of one I want to go with rightly or wrongly and I think he's, he sees I think he just wants Naby Keita. I don't think he's that bothered mm. about the midfielder, really. I just think he thinks Naby Keita is absolutely brilliant. And so so I think that there's a desire to get him in because of of, of, of his ability and, and potential to go even further. But I think, especially with the Coutinho move, I'm, I'm more and more seeing see Woodburn there. And I think, he's, I, think he, I think he just feels that, that that's really strong. And I think it's, it's funny with listening to you guys talking because obviously we haven't talked much about footy recently. And because it's... The, the frustrations are there and I understand it and I'm a little bit frustrated as well but we when we were out in Hong Kong uh, me and Gareth we, we spent a lot of time with people who worked for Liverpool Football Club it's just sort of the way it happens you know what I mean you know you know, you try to get stuff and you're all just together and there's a lot of you know waiting around and you just talk to people and there's a lot of waiting around <laughs> <laughs> and everyone I mean Everyone who works for Liverpool is really positive at the moment, mm. and they're genuinely. And whether that's misguided positivity, well, you know, we can we can discuss that. But they're already positive, and there's a bit of frustration, I think, with with quite a few people in the club that that everyone's just obsessed with certain players, mm. and like, well, basically, if we don't get him, then then you can forget about everything. Yeah. Whereas. I think the people who are close in it, and as I say, if that's not to say they're right just because they work for Liverpool, but I think I think they feel like they're in a really good place as a, as a club in terms of they, they think obviously the manager's brilliant and the manager thinks the players are brilliant, and I think just the feeling that they've got a really good group in terms of in terms of their attitude and in terms of how they are together, and I think I mean I'm I'm, I'm not saying that as I say that they're necessarily right or I agree with them, but it's but it's funny speaking to them. Whereas you know we've been on other tours where it's not necessarily been the case, and you know and and you know you go and speak to someone from Liverpool and all they're talking about is oh bloody hell we need a left back or something. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas I think I think there is gen I think that within the club it's a lot more positive and it's a lot more kind of optimistic than than in the fan base and, and whether that's. Who's right and who's wrong? I'm not sure, but it, but it's, but it's, 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 it's funny yeah, kind of coming back to. Just genuinely, who do you think is right and who do you think is wrong? I think that the squad's better than the fan than the fans generally are making out. I think, I think, uh, I think we, I think because it's because it's funny that because Liverpool fans in the past have been accused of of over kind of exaggerating how good certain players are and stuff like that, and I can understand that as well. But I think, I think the certain individuals in particular who Liverpool fans are forgetting how good they are. I agree with you, and that's why just to to, to pull this sort of back to the transfer conversation, that's why. The manager's been pretty adamant he wants to just replace with better. That he, yeah. he wants the idea that he goes and he gets better. Yeah. And one of my things now where I I see the point, I think we are a little bit better than than, than maybe some supporters are giving us credit for. We played some really good stuff at times last season and then we also we managed to dock it out at the end of the season when we needed to, while still at times also playing some pretty good stuff. And this is where I'm a bit like, well, if Kaita doesn't happen, I'm not saying just get bodies, like I'm not saying mm. go and get Lee Trundle. I'm saying <laughs> you can get lads in who are 30, 35 million pound footballers who will offer you a dimension who might not be Naby Keita. Do you know what I mean? Like, Because if yeah. you already got all the class, if we're saying we've got enough class or nearly enough class, then one of the things that you need to be able to do is keep your class as fresh as possible yeah. and pick its moments. So that's why I'm a little... I'm happy to go with the line, John, and I'll go back, then we'll go back to everyone else. I'm happy to go with the line of, you know what, we think we probably got, broadly speaking... 
with the possible exception of a genuine top quality centre half, as many quality players, genuine m- magic quality players as we need, I'm happy to go with that. And then I'm just thinking, well, we probably just need another couple of lads who can who are of a good enough level who can pad that out. Yeah, and but it's whether the manager's saying, well, that's how you're a jar, yeah. and and you want. Some well, other I, think, I think that is what the manager's saying, and, 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 he, where, and he's, and he's, and he's saying you want you'd rather get some lad in for twenty million, but I think I think Ajari is really good, and I think that's where that's where it, it, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see on it, and and I think the the problem with it was with it's kind of we've seen more than Jurgen, and we in terms of you know this sort of thing, and and he's and he's trying to make us all positive, and we're like, yeah, but. We've gone into seasons where you've thought, you know what, we haven't got quite got enough, and then we've we've our fans have been proved right, and I think that's that's sort of where the the, the kind of conflicts are really. I think centre halves the one the one where I'd be least comfortable with not doing any business, and so so what I, I I can go along with him from a midfield point of view and say, yeah, I can understand Jürgen why you feel like if we can't get a belted in, then go with what you've got up front. I'm the same as well, largely be just because I've been really excited by what what off centre forwards have offered in in in, in Different ways, and and so I can get along with that. At centre half, um, I just, I just I feel like I'm I'm more with you. Where you know, can we can we get the not quite the leech under, but the something. But but it's funny with with, with even the centre halves because I just did a, had a little look at you know one of them pieces like the Echo Rights, which is eight, eight centre halves we could get instead of Van Dyke. You mm-hmm. know, the the they put out, and, and I was having a look through them. And... Was I on that list, John? <laughs> <laughs> Christ, we are in trouble if that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let, John, they'll be organised. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's just been teaching me how to hit the ball in the kitchen. Actually, I was, well, he was, he was he was telling me how, how he teaches his lab, but I was taking notes. Um, okay, not like that. But I was I was looking at it, and as the, the, the lists are funny. I mean, they're not they're not kind of. You know, I'm sure that the, the the people who are making them would admit that the, you know they they put together by them rather than Liverpool scouts. But you look at some of the, the players who are really good, and they. And they're not necessarily any easier to get them Van Dyke. So um, look at Kubel Ali, who everyone yeah. has decided they really like. Well, Napoli have said they've rejected what fifty five million from Chelsea for him. Um, they don't want. Everyone's had a look at him. A few people have had to go, and no one's got him. So, so it's not like for, for people like him, you go, oh, we can't get Van Dyke. I'll just get him in instead because you because you get into a sort of similar situation. Uh, same with um, De Vrij or however you're pronouncing him. Uh, they don't want to sell him, and so you know. And then and then, but then the drop down. From there is, you know, is is seems to be kind of bit where you're going. Well, is he actually any better than what we've got? And go back to Stu then, and I'm, I think my point here now is I'm looking at it and I'm going at this point, Stu. Benitez has bought or is looking at Cronkamp by now. This is that that's where we're up to. And you know, for those of you who, who, who may not remember, uh, Jan Cronkamp, he was a part exchange <laughs> right back Liverpool brought in in January once because Benitez thought he was three percent better than Hossamy, um, <laughs> and and was probably right in that assessment. Um, and by this point, Big Day Mean Camoli is looking at looking at Andy Carroll's, I'd say, uh, or certainly there's a list of Andy Carroll's that he's working through and pulling together. And there's no, I, I picked two footballers there who, who didn't go on and, and and have fantastic Liverpool careers, but. What I'm saying is there's no right right way or wrong way on this one, but we do appear very tied into what this manager's way is, if you know what I mean. And I do wonder whether or not there is a bit of one or two people within the club sort of thinking, as, more, as positive as they may be on the one hand, they might be thinking, yeah, can it be nice if you just if you, if you just go for someone, mate, if you just find a player who you did like, uh, who wasn't one of these other two, because, you know, time is ticking. Yeah, there's... I don't know. I, I'm getting a little bit confused. There's a, there's a bit of I think mixed messages um, coming out of the club. Really, um, there is this this consistent talk of you know if we don't get anyone, 
we'll go with what we've got. These are great lads, as you said there, John. I mean, I think I think you're right, absolutely, that the that, that a large proportion of the fan base do underestimate the quality that we've got already, and we've supplemented that with uh, with Salah. Um, but I think the. I've heard the manager say on a few occasions now uh, about there's going to be a lot more rotation this year, which I think we need to do. Going into the Champions League, I absolutely think we're going to need to do that. And we all saw what happened last January when the squad was really stretched. And I remember last August thinking, we looked at our bench and thought, it's pretty strong this actually. The squad looks pretty yeah. big, pretty strong. Start of the season. Start of the season, yeah. it looked it looked pretty strong, but then we did hit a wall uh, partway through the season. And then since then, um, you know, we've lost... We've got you know Lucas has gone now in midfield, um, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of talk about Coutinho, which um, you know I'm, I'm hoping very much is nothing. But we're going into a campaign with a lot more games, and I would like to see, see us just expand the squad. But not I, I don't want to go down the road of you mentioned Cronkamp there, even though he's I, I, I saw him getting game for the legends the other day. For the, <laughs> <laughs> believe it, believe brilliant. Have you made the result for you, John? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really want to go down that road. I like the fact that Liverpool have been sticking to the guns in terms of um, only going for the top quality players. You know, they what they know they want, and they're going for that certain level of player. But what's really interesting is that I think um, you know you rightly said there about it's the centre half position that is in most desperate need of cover, at least if not strengthening. Um, and there's no talk of anybody else at all apart from Van Dijk, which is very unusual. I know Liverpool have kind of you know uh, closed ranks a little bit now um, because of what happened over Van Dijk earlier. But there's no talk of anyone else apart from what you're getting. You know, a players Liverpool could go be interesting from the echo. There's nothing coming out from the club at all. There's no realistic gossip going on, um, which does make me believe that. You know, we're gonna. That's why I'm a bit relaxed about Van Dijk. I just think we're gonna get him over the line. I mean, I touch wood here, but I really, really think that I'll be amazed if we go into the season without strength in there, and if and if it's not him. Um, but you know, on a broader point, as you say, Neil, I maybe it's because maybe it's because I was such a Rafa fan. But I look at it, the campaign ahead, and think. You know, if a couple of things don't go our way, we could pick up a couple of serious injuries, and we are struggling. We are struggling. A, be- a better comparison, maybe, well. than when I've used Cronkamp is say, I'll be, I'll be the era. Who, who all of us know, Liverpool didn't go into the summer of 2008, Paul, thinking, you know, Liverpool didn't go into the summer of 2008 with Albiere at the top of any list. And yet, he ends up being a Liverpool player as that summer wears on. And also, in 2008-9, he plays his part. Mm-hmm. He scores a few goals. He's great on his debut against United. If Liverpool had gone on and won the title that year, they got 86 points. They got to the quarterfinals of the European Cup. If they'd gone on and won either piece of silverware, we'd remember Albiere really quite fondly and we'd say, you know what, Albi played his part. Mm-hmm. Um, my point here is that there's... <clears throat> There's no real links to Albi Rieras. There's mm. no, you know, there isn't this. That even now, even as we get to twelve days before the first game of the season, that's the. the it doesn't even seem as though there's there's a list somewhere with with a couple of mad names on lads, yeah. and you never know. It really do, it does just like a lad who the manager has looked at and thinks thinks I can get something out of him, even if it's just for sixty minutes in certain games. There's not even that. Yeah, Go on, well, it's like. Okay, what we were saying there at the start, when when you, your, your first point to us, and we both, both you and I both said, oh, we're a bit concerned. I think the the negativity from some of the fan base is crazy. I, I when I said I was concerned, if, it, if the season started tomorrow, then so be. I do agree. I think that that position, Van Dijk or another centre half, is 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 crucial. It's that I think that is the maybe frustrating side of it. Not that making me be dead negative about Liverpool. I generally think you know from watching them and. 
what's very interesting, you know, you see a lot of the clips of the training sessions. That it looks like a really, really good team spirit, which I love. I love all that. I love that kind of, you know, making sure that all the clubs together. And you know, and what you were saying, Nigel, about when you were away, you know, the club seeming to be like that. I, I love all that. I think it was just the fact that you'd think that, and I might be in it, and we might be doing people a disservice, but if Van Dijk's your number one, you're probably going to have. Him or him as a as a as a a go a go to now we don't seem to be linked with anyone there might be someone and I think it's that it's like that type of player who yeah we 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 didn't get Van Dijk but we've got this fella and he's not just your your Crown Camp but I feel a bit, a bit bad on Crown Camp we keep using him as as a but I know it's a tough it, yeah. But it's but what me think on this? I will go back to you, Paul. Is as I say, if the, there's money for Kaita, and let's say now Kaita is not going to happen. Well, I don't know if we can still say that with certainty. You know, mm. it's the idea, but. If there's money for Kate, then there's money for you know, and and, the, and there was money for Oxley Chamberlain, uh, say uh, some to some degree. Then there's money for two more players. Now Oxley Chamberlain hasn't gone anywhere yet, and, and I expect him to move somewhere. It's so strangely quiet, hasn't mm-hmm. it? Weird, and he's strangely meant to, quiet. Meant to have been tidy at right wing back uh, for Arsenal in this in, in the in the their Emirates Cup over the weekend, and he, he competing with Bellerin for a starting position at right wing back, which I'm making noises about. The whole thing's very strange. Oxley Chamberlain doesn't make any sense, but. Mm-hmm. My thing here is that if there's money for Oxley Chamberlain and Kaita, then there's money for for three lads yeah. at at thirty million a pop, approximately. Now wages becomes a separate thing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But put that to one side for a minute, and that's where you know you do begin to go. Well, 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 hang on, lads. Surely it's it's been past decision time. I would have thought decision time yeah. was about a week ago because things don't happen, don't always happen that fast. Yeah, unless as as you said the. There's things that are, are happening behind the scenes that are, you know, nailed on. Unless the Van Dyke thing is is nailed on, and, and you know whether it be nearer to the end of the transfer window, it comes out. I, I think, like you said, I'm hoping I'm touching wood, etc. But it just seems, it seems, worryingly quiet. I would say, like you just said, Daniel, it's it's not, well, you know, it doesn't seem to be anyone else linked. Doesn't be, seem to be this. If we're not going for him, we're going for this. And that's not saying that you know these players are going to be. You know, not up to the quality. You're going to be paying what 30, 40 million for them if the money's there. So I would just say, just see maybe a little bit more movement. Yeah. And it's not just a gap for it. It's just for, for especially those positions that you've just said. Centre half is, is crucial because we have got you know a lot of games coming up. And and how um, Klopp manages the the, the the squad will be very interesting between the competitions we're in. Go on. Do you know what it, do you know what it is? I mean, to me, it's just about maximising your chances. I just don't want. I feel like we've I've been in this situation so many times before with Liverpool, where halfway through a season you think, Jesus, what if? What if we'd have done that? What if we'd have got that one over the line? We wouldn't be facing the problem. And I know you can say that about everything, but it does feel like we're so close. That's why I think that's why everyone's frustrated because, and that's why the club are feeling really good as well. It, it, really, because we are so close. There's been so much progression. I think we are in a really, really strong place. And now it's about just pushing the envelope. It's just about doing that extra little bit to get over the line to think, do you know what? We're, we're set here for the season. You know, we, we, we're confident we can compete on all fronts. And I don't think that necessarily we're quite there yet, but we're, we're tantalisingly close, do you mm. know what I mean? And we, we get someone wrapped up at centre half. You add a little bit of depth of quality in midfield as well. And, and I wouldn't do anything else, I don't think. I, you know, I think I'd, be, I'd just be really let's go for it with this because you don't want to do too much and upset the apple cart but there's just a couple of places there where you know experience tell experience experience tells me that like we could be in one of those situations again where we're looking back going why don't we just why don't we just get over the line with yeah that? is this when you're saying John before you know you've been you've been quiet for a while there that you know what you were describing before was 
the idea of that that's the difference that there's a fan base who, who, who have looked at seasons gone by and, and maybe even some would argue last season and gone if we'd have done one more bit two more bits yeah. things could have been very different with a view on, on, on at the very top end of the table and that and that it's uh, you know again it's it's not Jurgen Klopp's fault that Rafa Benitez doesn't win the league in 2009 it's not Jurgen Klopp's fault that Brendan Rodgers looks one player short in 2014 however FSG were at Liverpool in 2014 and in, but in 2009 it was it was Benitez battling against the odds with the ridiculous and abhorrent Hicks and Gillette ownership. My point is that you sort of you don't you don't. The manager talked a lot in his interview with Melissa, which was terrific about um, about sort of people focusing on the right things within the club and not focusing on the wrong things. But as a manager, you don't sort of get to dictate the memories of your supporter base. They have their memories completely independently of what you do. Yeah, and I think that's right. And I think you know he's. I don't think I don't think Klopp tries to di- dictate our memories, but he does try and sort of dictate the mood, doesn't he? he does try and kind of influence the, the positivity. And I thought the thing he did with, with Mel was great and really really well written as well. But I think we have kind of had different experiences really, and and you know so Klopp's had his own footballing experiences, which is you know the certain types of lads who I like to work with, who I get the most out of, and you know I've took players some of which have been unfancied and I've got more out of them and we've won league titles and it's been brilliant and so that's the way I want to work by and large you know he still wants to spend 70 million on Naby Keita as well um, whereas Liverpool, for Liverpool you know there hasn't been many seasons where you've felt oh we haven't got we haven't won the league because the managers made bad decisions or be, you know in terms of selection things like that or oh we've had horrendous luck with injuries or, or or things like that it's always been we just haven't quite had enough good players and i think last season you know going back to that which is obviously fresh in people's memory the general consensus in the summer was we haven't quite done enough, and then everyone wants to do something in January, and the manager said no, and then and then we have to we have to bad run, and so so we kind of get proved right if if that's even though you know you don't know what would have happened, you you, you know there's there's, yeah, we, we, there's we no alternative look. universe where we get someone in, and, and we get to have a look and see that we signed that lab, but we came sixth. Exactly. So there's no there's no kind of there's, there's you know you, you're dealing you're dealing with 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 the facts, and but, but because you've because we've all said I think that that we should have done more, and then and then we've seen what we've seen. You get to say well well kind of I told you so even without the kind of the, the you know the, the counterfactual arguments, and so. I think I think for for us we 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 just feel that you know it's always been a player too short. So it's, you know there was the Roy Evans missing piece in the jigsaw, and then there was the you know the Benitez time, which was that oh we haven't quite got the strength and depth that Man United have got, and you know the the, the more money that he kind of wanted really, and so and so we've kind of been like you know kind of troubled by that really. Whereas obviously Jurgen's got his his own history and his own kind of way of doing things that has been successful and he could he could quite rightly rightly argue well I, I know more about about winning league titles than Liverpool fans do because you know a lot of them our age I haven't really seen it and well I'm, yeah and, and younger and yes uh, <laughs> our age and younger there's, there's some of them um, the, Paul there is just moving it sort of along into where you were strengthened one of my things on the defence is I think we're all broadly speaking. I don't think any of us would do a goalkeeper. Like I'm saying, this hypothetical scenario where there's, there's we've got the kite money burning a hole in our pockets. It's Brewster's millions. The lads around this table are going to spend it. No one's doing a goalkeeper now. Um, my my bigger issue with, with the centre halves isn't so much the idea of getting Van Dijk in. It's more that I think our third choice centre back. If we're going to consistently play a back four, I think our third choice centre half's got to be 
far better than Clavin mm-hmm. slash Gomez. Allowing for Gomez maybe having a massive ceiling to improve, you know, and that's even that's under underlined by the injury problems we've seen Matip and Lovren have. You yeah. know, we, if we had a third centre half, basically one of the massive for me one of the massive positives of buying Virgil Van Dijk is that our third choice centre half probably becomes Dejan Lovren. And if we just cloned Dejan Lovren and he was our third choice centre half, then I'd probably be broadly speaking quite happy. Mm-hmm. I may be wrongly so. People listening to this might be thinking Lovren's shite. But, you know, you look at the record of Matthew Lovren last season, they only lost one game where they both played. That's the thing, isn't it, right now, that whatever happens at centre-half, one of the issues is we need the third-choice centre-half to be as good as possible. Definitely. Do you know what? I was at a barbecue about two weeks ago and um, there was a little lad there, he was only about nine, big Liverpool fan, full Liverpool kit on, and he came running over and he was speaking to me about by footy and and he had a a four piece of paper and he said let's write our first 11s down for next season and it was only when I did that that again it was like you know what why are, we, why are people being negative because this is really good except that one thing and I said to him and he's only a nine year old kid but he knew his stuff like he was, he was honestly he was, get him, get him in, get him in. <laughs> <laughs> he said to me because we went through the bench and I said you haven't got um, Wijnaldum on the bench there oh yeah and it was only and I was like look where's Solanke not even on a the bench there. You know, this is just obviously you know, hypothetical 11s. Yeah. But the one position was that when when you he wrote down, um, he put Van Dijk, he said, he said, we'll get him. I said, oh, I hope so. And it was Van Dijk, Matt, as your you centre-off, and Lovren as a third choice. And I said, that's what we need. I said, we need that that strength. He said, because if you if we don't have that Van Dijk, and that's no disrespect to, to Clavin Orgham, but it's, you're spot on. That's it. Your, your one on the bench needs to be, and okay, there will be injuries, but it doesn't fill me with... Well, on this, Stu, Chelsea, uh, Chelsea last season, they had um, they had the back three, uh, Kale, Azpilicueta and Louise, and behind them they had both Zuma, John Terry, and then they brought Ake back. Um, this season, uh, Ake, Terry, and Zuma have all gone, but they've spent a lot of money on Rudiger, and they haven't brought it. They haven't got rid of anyone any of the last year's starting back three, so they're, they're picking three from that four. Spurs either pick a back three or they pick Dyer. Uh, they've got Dyer in there along with Vertonghen and Alder Wielder. Their number three becomes Dyer. You know, you sort of go down the people who are above us. United have bought another centre half last season, but I bet you Mourinho was pretty happy, pretty happy with Rocco and Bailey when he could get them on the pitch. And I'm sort of Man City are weird, and we'll come back to them because John will slaughter them. But I'm, you know. That's the, one of the things I'm looking at is that, you know, our, our third choice lads is a lad who cost five million from Augsburg and at times I thought last season was just at the scene of too many crimes for me, was just looking a little bit ropey at times. Um, you know, almost certainly a great lad, great pro, but I'm just thinking we need one more. Yeah, I agree with all that, all of that. But I, I also think that there's a vital piece of uh, contextual information there as well in terms of the amount of the amount of games that, that Lovren and Matic both missed. Whereas those Chelsea lads were just there every week. They were there every week and, and just innocuous little injuries. They both seem to be able to that they pick up the little injuries a lot. So our third lad has got to be someone who A, can get on the pitch and B, you know, not reduce the quality, hopefully, you know what I mean, within, you know, if you're going to play that many games, you want it to be of a certain standard and you don't get that feeling. I mean, Clavin started really well. He started like a house on fire, like, uh, like Cavani did. Um, <laughs> Before um, Cavani. Yeah, yeah, I'll never forget Cavani's uh, first few games. But um, I think um, I think that's absolutely right. We, we have to get... If we don't get someone over the line for centre half, I, I'm I'm very very worried um, because I've just although I've got a lot of faith in both Matip and Lovren when they're together for the reason the statistical reason you said before, I've got very little faith in that they're going to be able to both play 40 50 games this season. Um, so if you if you are having to delve in, then you, t- you don't want it to be the lad from Arsberg and you don't necessarily want that pressure on 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 Gomez. 
you know so yeah I mean I still think that back to what John always said I think their confidence of getting Van Dijk and I'm not basing that on anything I just I just think that they're, they're, they're still confident of getting him in and you feel like something's got to give on that team because he's not training with the team at the moment he, they've all gone away on the tour and he's not gone and you think well what's, what's your move when he comes back you know what I mean you're trying to trying to get him and that feels like it's kind of make or break really and that's, that's kind of one we'll have to watch because if, if they and also there's a point where if you're Pellegrino you're like yeah well, yeah, there's been talk that they were, they, 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 they've been try, they're trying to integrate him back into yeah. it and all that. But again, it's if you're the manager, it's got to happen. But it? also, if you're the manager, you've literally never worked with a player. Yeah, you're a bit like in my mind. I've gone yeah. off in the store with these lads. These are my lads. I might be yeah. looking for another one now. You know what I mean? I yeah. think it's, I think that works in our favour. And he's just some fellow who does be added. And I think you know, I think I think there is there's maybe a bit of that. So I think I think they'll probably feel like something's gonna gonna move on on that soon and. So I so, so I'm I'm kind of hoping their confidence and I think that that kind of turns into a summer if, if they can get Van Dyke I I think that turns into a summer where you go well anything after that's a bonus mm. and I think that's how I'd be looking at it. I think that's how most of the Puff fans will be looking at it. I'm sure there's some who'd, who who still think no we, we haven't we haven't done enough or or we haven't orders you know we're short or whatever but I think if they can get Van Dyke for all the kind of reasons we've said and I've done the I've done the teams like like Paul's nine year old mate and and, and you <laughs> know your old mate <laughs> well, I mean it sounded like you were quite close I was you know I mean better conversations than I have in the office and um, and and I think I've done it as well and you are leaving good players out and yeah. it's all well and good us saying us saying well I just want loads of them mm. but Klopp's thinking well you know if it's first game of the season I can't put Wijnaldum on the bench then he's knocking on my door going well, what's going on I've had a good season last season you know I'd never let you down yeah. I, I basically got you in the Champions League when <laughs> everyone else was threatening and I just stuck one top in huh? and then and so so, 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 so Jürgen has got to think about that so I think I think as fans we can we can you know Always, always say we want to overload without us having to deal with the fact that you know it's it's Jurgen who's got to manage them, and and so I think I think you're getting into anything after that's a bonus, Terry. It's obviously if we do get Van Dyke, but it's just such a big sign, and I think for everyone that I just I just hope that they can get it over the line sooner rather than later. It'd be nice if they could do it before the first game of the season. Um, sorry, I was just it was just like you were always saying we were talking about having them on the bench. It's, it's not just that, is it? It's about like you, what you've just said there. Go in terms of you've you might be playing, you know. Um, Swansea at home on a Saturday and he says you know what Dejan I'm putting you in here blah, blah, blah. Van Dijk goes on the bench because you're going away to your, you know, your Champions League on a Tuesday or the Wednesday and this is where you, you need that it's not just about alright you might be on the bench and, you, and if you're on the bench you're not happy you'd always want to play if, you, if you're that type of player and it's how he then manages that and, and that's where you, you need that quality because he can't then go well, you know what I haven't got I've only got Clavin on the bench so Dejan and, and Matip you're playing Swansea at home you're playing um, Wolfsburg away or, or whatever you know what I mean and that's where the worry then comes because then you kick up injuries and, and I see I, I don't think if, if we if we did sign Vans like even we signed him tomorrow I don't think he plays regularly until mid-September he's not kicked a ball in anger for Southampton since January that's true, yeah. and he's he's not had a pre-season really has he you know what I mean I'm sure he's doing a bit of training with one of the coaches there on his own but he's, he's not he's not had a proper pre-season Klopp's going to want to get him through a pre-season they're going to want to assess him and then, then gradually put him into the team and I'm fine with that for the reasons we said before about Lovren and Matip you know subject to them being able to string a few games together without picking up another injury uh, or a virus yeah <laughs> uh, um, so I, I'm, I'm alright with that it, it's it's as you really get into the depths of the season that, that you know I'll be really reassured that we've got that other body there of that quality right back covers Alexander-Arnold we're all happy with that yeah Thought Gomez looked great though yesterday. Um, not yesterday, whenever it was. Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, I thought he. I mean, 
Yeah, he had a terrible. We all know he had a terrible game last game. He played for the first team against Wolves, um, and uh, you know a lot. I think a lot of people wrist him off there, partly myself included. But I thought he doing a job at right back to his It's only pre-season. But I think there's a chance he goes with Gomez at Watford, mm-hmm. just because he thinks Watford are massive. Yeah, the height, um, yeah. A big team, and he thinks you know first game of the season, and you know he. he you know, he says to Trent, you know, I've got we've got a few home games coming up and, I, and I'll play you there and, and you're me fella, but this game, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes with mm. Joe Gomez and Watford. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised that if you if you actually sat him down here, the manager, and went, you know, your ideal, what's your ideal setup for, for the defence next season, if there's maybe a little bit more of Joe Gomez filling in across all three positions in the back four mm. next season, then, then we might sort of anticipate that there are a few games where he thinks, you know what, these are huge lads, I'll throw Gomez in at right at left back even and I'll have Klein at right back or something like that. It wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of that on the cards. To be honest with you, just off the basis of what you're saying there, John, that he might every now and again think, you know what, I'll 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 play me centre half right back option. Though I would always say this manager doesn't look like he likes that sort of thing. Mm. Um I'm not quite with John on the Van Dyke and then everything's a bonus, Stu, because I think if you lash, whack, whack them all in the pot, I think we look a midfielder slash attacker late. In that, if we're going to say Coutinho is a midfielder, sounds, but I think we probably need one more. Or you'd be comfortable playing in wide areas, week in week out. If we're going to say that we're we're going to move Coutinho back and forth, then we quite quickly, I think, when Aldum's cover's not clear, you know, I think that's where Keaton and when Aldum would be competing for one position if we signed him. Uh, if Coutinho is getting knocked out of that list, it's no longer a, a six or a five in midfield; it becomes four. I think that. I think we are one body light to then be able to go and anything else would be a bonus. What do you think looking at midfield and attack? Yeah, it feels like there's lines drawn in the studio here, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> People say but, they want to be more confrontational, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I agree. I, I said before, I agree. I, I would like to have another midfielder in. Um, it'd be great if, if, you know, the cater one, that always seemed like a bonus. It, it was always very, it seemed to be very specific that we liked him, not necessarily because there was a need, but because, he, he potentially was available, and he was Klopp absolutely loves him, thinks he's world class. But regardless of that, we there was talk about us bringing in Oxley Chamberlain, and if if we got him in, and we knew we couldn't get Kite till next season, I'd be all right with that because I think all right, Oxley Chamberlain can can cover a few areas. You know, I mean, he's currently playing wing back for Arsenal, but he can play centre mid. He, he's even held for them. He can play wide. Um, I'd feel yeah, that's the type of signing that would do us good going into a, a European season. Um, and I'd feel like again, subject to him staying fit, which isn't always the case. But I'd feel like we, were, you know, uh, we were well stocked. I don't necessarily think that we need another, you know, full-on wide player like you were saying there. Um, I'm, I'm hoping. I mean, the last last year for me, the season really hit a wall. When whenever Mane wasn't playing and when he was unavailable for that lengthy period or twice for that those lengthy periods of times, um, I think Salah coming in. I think there's a lot of talk about oh, you know when Mane and Salah play together and they're on the wide areas. I'm actually not sure we're going to see that an awful lot. I, when I hear the, the, the manager talking so much about rotation, I'm thinking I think largely it may well be that Salah and Mane are rotating. I'm not convinced he's going to go for two out and out wide lads like that. And you, you might see times where, as you say, Coutinho's playing wide and he's tucking in and stuff like that, um, like last season. So I'm, I'm thinking that with with the pace we've got there. And we've got two lads now rather than one. And if we brought the Ox in, uh, who could step in and do a job there if, if needed, I'd feel comfortable with that. I'm, I think I'm with you, Gibbo. I think, obviously, I, I, we've said about Van Dijk and, and, and let's hope we get him or a and other centre-half. But I look at it and I just think 
you know, like my nine-year-old mate said, <laughs> I think you, 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 there's so many options now for me with a fit storage as well, which... Oh well, I'm just I'm going to straight away. I'm just going to say right. Part of the season, part way through the season, Emery Chan and Wijnaldum are both injured. Okay, what's your move in the three midfield? Okay, when so, you back. By the way, when you've got to play a game in the you're away at Real Madrid on the Wednesday, you're at home to Burnley on the Sunday. Okay, right. Have you got a pen? No. <laughs> so yeah, so you put so go on. Who's injured? Chan. Yeah, and Wijnaldum. Okay, so you've got Jordan Henderson in, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. And you potentially throw James Milner in there as well. <laughs> He's not. He, he, last season, he didn't move Milner from left back, apart from a brief run out against Leeds yeah. and a, that mad Stoke game. Yeah. So, so around the table, are we all? Are We're we all saying all... Milner's a left back. You know, yeah. you can, I'm not letting you do that. That's off, okay, the, so that's off, the, off the agenda. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, right. So you playing by our rules here, right? right yeah. Okay. So yeah, you, 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 fair enough. It's a good point. I but, think. I mean, I, I think he played. He'd be happy with Alonso and Coutinho as, as, uh, at the top. Well, yeah, I, but, say away from I just thought it might be that. That's what I thought. thought it yeah, might be. I think he'd be happy with it. He's basically playing with five up I, front in this preseason. I think he'd be happy with it, but my point isn't so much. My point is, is he happy with it? Three games on the bounce. Okay. Because well, that's what you say. Well, is he is he is he comfortable starting Woodburn? And this is where some, and that's where I'm is. saying is he comfortable starting Woodburn? But the you know the three games they're all must win games, John. The three the, the three yeah. games in my hypothetical universe are must yeah, win no, games. Where where the two league games, one's a straightforward game at home against Burnley. Then you're away at, at the, the best side in the Champions League group that aren't Liverpool. Yeah. And then your next game is I'm not even going to name a top six side. The next game is the Merseyside derby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I'm looking at that going. I feel like we're one light well, like, minimum. Yeah. And that's not just with Wijnaldum and that's not just with Wijnaldum and Chan being injured. That's also if you imagine where Wijnaldum and um, Wijnaldum and Salah are injured, and suddenly now we're having the conversation. It's Manny three games on the bounce, bang, 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 three intense games. When it's the sort of thing that he has not like wanting to do, and then why is he putting Coutinho? And this is why I think it's not doesn't have to just be a midfielder in that if you just knock Coutinho back. But I, I think if he wants to play that intensity all the time. I think he ends up just sort of you know, in the middle of the park. I think it gets... It's the idea of being able to go, right, we want to be 90% as good as we can be. Mm. Three games on the bounce because we need to be to get the results. Yeah. And that's where I'd be worried. And I thought we saw at times last season, game three in a few of these runs, we weren't great. Mm. We looked Christmas a bit off it. Yeah, we've had, we've had a couple of big seasons where we, we've struggled at that, at that period mm. of time as well. And so and now you throw the Champions League into the mix as well. And you, you know, you, st- you, d- you described a scenario there which sounded like November, you know, where you've got three games on the bounce, and one of them is you know must win Champions League, and on three four days later you're away at Chelsea or you're away at Everton or something like that, uh, and and it comes again in February, and I just think, and that's why, I, I to me that's why the Oxley Chamberlain link made sense. That to me, if I'm thinking of the manager and he's thinking, well, he's a multifunctional player, he can cover you know a variety mm. of different scenarios there. Yeah, but he doesn't want to do it. That's a really fair point. And so that's, if you're, I mean, if you're saying to Oxley Chamberlain, I'll oh, come here, we don't know what we're going to do with you yet, and you might not start a lot. exactly why he wants to leave yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. We, we, so. we don't tell him that. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> come on. Oh. What happened to Milner? Then Milner was going to be, you know, dynamic. But he started every week. He started every week. I'd be shocked if you, if you see Milner in midfield as well. But I think, I don't know, it's going back to. To, to, to Jürgen if Jürgen was sat here and it's like well you know you're throwing, you're saying you want loads and loads of options but I've got to manage them I've got to develop them you know you're telling me you want not loads and lo- one more one more midfield oh, one more John come Sam on will, yeah okay I mean look I'd, no I'd take Chamberlain and I'd take it and I think that will be that will be a bit of a bit of icing on me cake and I'm I'm, I'm quite happy to be my cake to have icing stew but uh, it's all hypothetical it's your fancy John it's all hypothetical <laughs> 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 yeah 
No, I, go on. Sorry. No, it was again. I'm just going through my head when you, when you all depending on who he depends upon, and especially with Coutinho dropping back into the three. It's when you look at and you, you've got you know if you go Sturridge, Solanke, Origi, Firmino, Lallana, and you say and you think, okay, so th- those lads I've just named then are for your front three. Position potentially okay. Some could go back. It, it's a it's a good problem to have. He has, isn't it? He has the he has the options, but I think I will give you another example. So what people might be listening to this saying, well, you know what I'd do if we didn't have Mane um, and you were trying to rotate. Well, I go, you know what I'd do is I'd, I'd play the diamonds somewhere yeah. in there and I go I go Sturridge and Origi or Sturridge and Solanke or Firmino and Sturridge or some or, or Firmino and Origi, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you've now got to pick four midfielders. You're not going to pick four midfielders, and I've told you that when Alden's injured, along with Manny. Mm-hmm. So now you're picking. Well, you've just picked Henderson again, and I think broadly speaking, I expect to see. I think that the player, the player of the midfield and attack, we're going to see the most of is going to be Henderson if he stays fit. Yeah. So I think you're probably going to see a lot of Henderson. But then in front of that, well, I'm, but I'm also looking to give Lallana a rest because he's just played three games on the bounce. But if we're playing a midfield diamond, well, who else do I play? Because I haven't got one Alden. Um, so I'll, I'll lash Channing not convinced about him in a midfield diamond but let's go with it mm-hmm. I'm lashing Channing I'm playing Coutinho again and maybe now we try to carry Woodburn and hope that we get something out of him but none of this quite seems ideal mm. and it doesn't and also my next, my next line on this before John jumps in <laughs> is now I'm looking at a bench and my first sub might be Woodburn and there was the number of times we I sat in a room with people last season who went we shouldn't be looking at the bench and the first subs Woodburn mm. and that that's part of the thing that you want to solve so you're also thinking if you're the manager if I'm turning around looking at my bench on 60 and it is Woodburn and Ajaria well I might rate them but this is now you know mm. it's now a way of Burnley and it's 1-1 and and I'm watching I'm watching Ashley Barnes kick lumps out of people. Mm. I don't particularly want to lash Woodburn on. I'd rather be able to turn to my bench, look and go, is Oxley Chamberlain or is another lad who I got in for thirty million who you know who's who's a seasoned pro yeah. who I can look at and think he's going to do this. And that's why I feel I get convinced by just the you know and I you know. It, I, I could be wrong, and I agree with you. you sort of the manager's got to manage them. He's got to look at them. He's mm. got to want to work with them, John. But I begin to think, you know, it would. It's dead easy to say that, but when he's looking at the bench on sixteen, he hasn't got an option to change. He might be thinking, you know, what I could have accommodated. <laughs> yeah, no, I think you're right. But I think, I think you, I think we all get into the habit of, and I think this probably goes back to the fact that we we haven't seen a league title really. Um, you know, I, I sort of saw one when I was seven, but my, my tactics weren't as great as John as, as Jack was mate. <laughs> so at that age, so um, so you know, I was seven or seven or eight or whatever it was. So I I've, and I think what you've described to me there is a scenario where it's quite close to perfection. I think, whereas you know, I'm, if we're looking at the other teams who've won league titles, you know, you're saying, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll throw we'll Ben in and. And you know, we'll help carry him. I don't think you really need to carry him. I think you get more from these players than we're giving give him credit for, especially if everyone else is is flying. The problems, uh, much as last season was was good players being out of form, the the the, the same players. And I think if you look at forget about Liverpool for a second. If you look at everyone else who's won league titles in the last twenty years, and you look at players who've who played eight to ten games and then gone elsewhere and been rubbish. You know, how many how many of Sunderland had? You've, you've, you know, you've, yeah. you've got league titles, and and you know, I'm, you know, if you look at, you know, the, the people love to tell you, oh, Eric Gemma Gemma's got two league titles, and Gerard hasn't got any. You know, it's a, the thing on Twitter, isn't it? And I think none of these squads that have won league titles, you know, had had the brilliant options all the time. Sometimes they had to make do. Sometimes they had young lads who had to come in. Sometimes you know, but but they made the most of it. And I think, I think Liverpool. You know, maybe haven't just made the most in certain situations. Maybe we've just got on each other's backs, and that that was something that that came out of the um, 
the Klopp interviews as well was, you know, people talk about Christmas and Stu did then again. Our, our record over Christmas was the best in the league, joint best in the league. Yeah. To be took ten, we, 10 points from four games. But we absolutely we fell off a cliff in January. Yeah. But but part of the problem was, according to Jürgen, was we drew, we drew with Sunderland and then everyone lost their heads. And he was like, yeah, it was, wasn't a great draw and they were crap, but... But he said that he felt like the the squad all went, oh, it's a disaster, and we dropped them points, and and he think he thinks that they struggle to overcome, like sort of come back from it then and then, and then we had a bad run, and we kind of started out ourselves really rather than thinking, well, we we'll just we just dropped a couple of points at Sunderland, I'm, I'm, and you're I'm, talking about three must win games in the in, in next season, and I'm thinking, well, well, is it? Well, there, are, well, well, there could be three. What I mean is three games where you want to see them get a result. My the Sunderland one, I mean, I I lost my head after Sunderland big time, but. <laughs> The thing on it was, it was partly the nature of the game, and he mentioned that in the interview. It was the nature of the game with the two penalties. But the next league game after Sunderland, we draw, we draw one all, one all at Old Trafford, and I was fine with that. Yeah, I was absolutely fine with drawing one all at Old Trafford. Where I've got a massive problem is we were absolutely turgid shite at home against Swansea for for sixty minutes. Yeah. It was it was a disgraceful performance to be honest with you, and I don't think they became bad players overnight. I just think they were flat as a pancake, mm. and I think they were flat as a pancake because they were shattered. And I think that they managed to rouse themselves to get to 2-2. It goes to 3-2 and they just couldn't rouse themselves again. It was like they just couldn't go back to the tank one more time to pull that energy together. And maybe the crowd could be better and all of that sort of stuff and the manager might have a point. But I sort of think they were just they were just shot. Hmm. I, that bit, they were just shot. And they roused themselves and they got... And, and they've had decent performances in there. Like I said, they played well at Old Trafford. And, yeah, I... I uh, yeah, the, uh, listen, the, the answer is probably a happy medium between all of these things, and you fact as it as it often is. But I, I, that's that's my worry is that we they pulled it together for Christmas. They pulled the, put the balls on the line, even at Sunderland's away. They got the result that they got. But I think they were all looking at each other then, and they were just you know they were just a side that just lacked 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 the five percent that you need to get, and they got it back because they're all really good players and they're great pros and they worked it hard and the manager's brilliant and all that sort of stuff. But in that little moment when you needed you needed some you needed either a bit of luck, which Chelsea had all the way through the season yeah. with injuries, mm-hmm. and Leicester had all the way through the season the year before, they either needed a bit of luck or a bit of inspiration from a player who turns up and from nowhere is able to whack four good performances in. And that's why Sturridge getting injured didn't help. Yeah. Four good performances in and go, right lads, I'll I'll, I'll sort you. Yeah. yeah, no, I, look, I mean... January wasn't great, I don't know that, and the, the Swansea game, I think there was an element of that, you know, certainly in terms of, you know, you know energy levels, although I think there was, there was, there was self-doubt creeping in as well, but I'm looking at, the reason I'm using phrases like icing on the cake is, if I'm looking at last season, I think, well, what were the biggest problems that we had? Well, when Mane was out, we didn't have any pace. Well, Sam, we've got this death fast fella in, and he looks really good, and he's scoring goals, and that's great. So, okay, so, and then... Well, I mean, we couldn't we couldn't rotate James Milner because he he, he thinks Albert Moreno is an idiot. Well, Sam, we've got a left back in who he seems to like. And then the other biggest problem I thought of last season was um, a centre half. And so, if we, this is what I mean is, if, if we can yeah, okay. if we can sort that, I think we've solved our biggest three problems of last season. That's not to say we'll necessarily go on and win the league because other things go on and and everyone else is doing business and stuff like that. But I think just and it's football the, after all. Yeah, but I think just those three things. If we'd have had them last season, we'd have put ten more points on. And then you're looking at eighty six points and you think, well, that's mm. that's that's close. And I think I think that's why I'm I'm a little bit more maybe relaxed than you. And, and that's why I'm, if if we can get it done, and that's why I'm a little bit more. You know, and then and then and then you know because I'm not even getting into the hypotheticals of the fact that I think we will see more of Jordan Henderson next season, but I don't want to get into that because you might see less of someone else. And mm. so, so I think I'm really excited about Henderson and storage, but 
aside from that, I think just those three things, if we can do them, I think that that was my biggest three frustrations of watching us last season. It was it was coping with Mane, the fact that we couldn't rotate at left back and the fact that the centre half drop was so was so high and so 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 significant. And so that's why I think I would argue that the, the Van Dyke had say, well we've we've sort of at least tried to solve the most important things that were holding us back last year. Um all right. Um Swansea away weekend of my birthday, John, just saying. I remember, uh, I remember how, how awful you were uh, in every possible way. In every possible way. <laughs> The, the, the night I became the worst lad alive. Um, <laughs> this is the Anfield Rap you're listening to as we're ticking over. Obviously, the biggest news of the day is the result of the fantastic uh, safe standing poll and the way in which the entire process has been run by Spirit of Shankly. I say the poll's fantastic, not because of the results, but because of the way in which it's been handled, the number of respondents and the way everyone's interacted so far on it. Uh, earlier today, I spoke to Jay and uh, we had a chat. Yeah, little insert. Neil handed over to Neil. These things happen. Jay McKenna with me now. Uh, pre-recorded this this morning, Jay, and we we, we had a little chat. And what the chat is, is is what we're having now. It is about the the survey results, and I'll just sort of give the headline figures. Uh, just shy of eighteen thousand respondents, uh, and of those eighteen thousand respondents, eighty eight percent voted in favour. And it's important. You've been really clear in your press release, really clear in everything you've said. What they voted for is in favour of rail seating being investigated to be introduced in English grounds. Yeah. They haven't voted for anything at Anfield. In no. this this conversation has not been about things at Anfield. Absolutely. Uh, it's really important to make that clear. Um, I think that the size of the turnout, um, the size of the majority shows that we were right to have this conversation. Lots of Liverpool supporters clearly wanted to have their say, clearly wanted um, you know to express their views and have done so decisively. Uh, but it is important to place that caveat on it that this was a conversation about its introduction in general. Um, to set a position for Spirit of Shankly, it isn't to say we're going to campaign for its introduction. It isn't to say we're going to ask Liverpool to introduce it at Anfield. Any of those things are things that follow. And given the size of the vote, I expect you know we will be asked that question from members and supporters and families and the like at some point. Um, but it's really important right now that we just, I think, reflect on the result that we have got uh, what that means because you know it's it's a fairly significant thing for Liverpool supporters uh, to come out uh, in favour with such strong numbers. Um, on this, um, it's also worth pointing out that the Spirit of Shankly members vote that you had at the same time voted broadly speaking in line with the, with these figures. Absolutely. There was there, there was a genuine sort of moment here where you can say that the the overall vote and the Spirit of Shankly vote is practically mirrored, isn't it? Yeah. This this become my life for a week if if it wasn't in the weeks before, but. Uh, Spirit of Shankly uh, membership voted 88% in favour as well. I think 7% were against in, in the Spirit of Shankly membership versus 5% in, in the wider poll. But what was really fascinating to watch, and, I, and, I was, and, I, and we've looked at the data from this, that in the people who voted each day, it always stayed between 88 and 89%, the vote, yeah. on any day. So as me, immediately after the vote was opened, through to when it closed, it never deviated between that. It never went up to like 95% and dropped back down. And, and if you look at the data coming in each day, there was you know big block, significant block in favour. Uh, and that was across all of the other questions well, I was going to well. say as well, and, just on this, you know, the, you mentioned here a key outcome. I've got the press release on my phone in front of me. Uh, of the of those 6,000 new supporters who, who, who participated, who were down as attending regularly Anfield, i.e. more than 11 games per season, is how you define that, 88% of them were in favour as well. It does, insofar as, you know, it's worth pointing this out that there might be people listening who go, well, you haven't, you haven't spoken to everyone. Yeah. But, you know, we do market research stuff at the Anfield Wrap and we're made up with the number of respondents we get and you've got 10, 10 times as much. Mm. And we get told by other people 
in the market research industry, that our number of respondents is really strong. Yeah. Yours is 10 times stronger. If you are running this sort of poll, you cannot ask for, firstly, more convergence within the data no. across the board. But secondly, it's very difficult to ask for a stronger voicing of views, isn't it? Uh, it's unprecedented in, in, in votes on this topic or even amongst sporting groups. You know, we, you know, we talk... It's a nationwide. It's unprecedented it's nationwide. You, yeah, yeah. You know, Liverpool... Liverpool changed their entire sport and engagement on 10,000 people replying to a popular survey. Well, we've just had 18,000 here saying, you know, here's what we think about things. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't think, I, but I think that's important that that many people did take the time to vote. And we, you know, we, lots of people yourselves and, and others encouraged people to vote because it was important that it was as representative. And I think we've seen from the outcomes that it's been representative. But I think, you know, really importantly, you know, anybody who hasn't had the say, it's, it's through want of them not wanting to take part, I think, as opposed to the fact that we haven't given them an opportunity to do so. Jay, just on a technical point of the survey as well, because um, we've had conversations about this, it is genuinely nearly 18,000 votes. There's no question of repeat voting, et cetera, et cetera. The measures no. being taken by yourselves we, to address we, that. We, we, yeah, we, we, we had various measures in place for that. Um, we've been through it and checked. There were some uh, votes removed. Um, people who had duplicates were looking at around, I think it was 40 people, Roughly, uh, and that wasn't necessarily that they definitely had voted duplicate. Um, there were a couple of people who voted immediately and consecutively and, and put their email address in twice. So I don't think they were trying to trick the system. Um, you know, I think where they've just voted, they thought, oh, I wasn't sure if that's, that's happened. Through, yeah. They've done it again, and, and you know, one of their votes has been removed. That happened on both sides of it. You know, there were people undecided, people against, people in favour on that. Um, you know, there was no noticeable patterns, and we spoke to people who do these things, no noticeable patterns of people. You know, abusing it. You know, we we done checks on how many IP addresses have been used more yeah. than once, and even so, checked where those IP addresses were from. You know, workplaces and stuff like that. And you know, clearly, a you know, no pattern of people of, of repeat voting. So, or, so basically, the, the, you can say absolutely the integrity of the numbers is is solid. Well, absolutely, and I think and I think the fact that it mirrors the Spirit of Shankly membership vote, and I think the fact that it you know the vote mirrors each day um, shows that you know this was you know you know I would be. 99% certain as anyone can. Real reasonable doubt. Yeah, that, you know, this was, you know, uh, this this stands up. Um, um, there's both a next steps and a previous step discussion here. The, the previous step is to, again, to reiterate the, the work that, that, that Spirit of Shankly did in terms of keeping this discussion, not feeling as though it's adversarial, not feeling as though there's winners and losers. And that's got to be an ongoing thing that's matched not just within Liverpool supporters, but I, I suspect you'd, we'd call them for that to be... To be a national thing now as well, you know that that you F, that that spirit of Shankly have put this this enormous survey out. They've removed from the FSF or anyone else's position the idea of a Liverpool question on the one hand, yeah. but on the other hand, what I think you'd be asking for is that the tone of the discussion mirror the tone that you've managed to set so far from from a Liverpool point of view. Yeah, I would I would ask anyone to look at the statement we've put on our site on this. We are incredibly strong on this. We will not stand for anybody misusing our position, misrepresenting it or misappropriating it. You know, there will be people, I think, who might believe this is a blank cheque. Liverpool fans have said it's fine. We don't need to listen to the concerns that have been raised. We'll just go ahead and do it. And anyone who says, well, you shouldn't do this, they, they might turn around and try and say, well, Liverpool fans have said it's OK and yeah. they give us the green light. It, it's not that. It is clearly in favour and I think it advances the wider national conversation. But I would urge anybody who's campaigning for this at their club or nationally to listen to those questions and concerns that were raised by those who were opposed or were undecided or wanted to know more. You know, Damien Cavana made a great contribution uh, around wanting to know more and, and, and a detailed study on this. Um, 
they should answer those questions and concerns as best they can and accept that we're not all going to agree. You know, there's people who don't want this introduced, not for probably safety reasons, but because they don't want someone stood up in front of them. The, you know, the fearful that it'll impact on them. You know, I think we've got to address all of those concerns and, I, and I'd encourage them to do that. And, you know, I think one of the very practical things that will come up as a next step for us, because it was offered by Celtic, is is likely in the season, new season we will arrange a visit up to Celtic to see it this this in practice and, and allow people to, to see it. One more little thing as well in terms of using the, the data and, and keeping the discussion honest and rational, and I think that's something that you've been about all the way through, honest, rational and decent, is that another one of the key outcomes that was noticeable was that seven in every ten women voted in favour of rail seat, and this is one of the things that's been used as a reason not to do it repeatedly, that women aren't comfortable, women don't like it, and to me that's felt like a completely unsupported point, a cheap point, and it's one that this survey, for instance, just knocks aside. Yeah, one of the things that has come up in the, in the debate nationally, which we, you know, we didn't want to answered every question national because we needed to set a position amongst yep. our members. But importantly, we were aware that, you know, we needed to future-proof this in some way to see where people were at. So, you know, one of the other things that comes up is that ethnicity. People suggest that it, that it could have an impact on diversity there. And we didn't want to ask too many questions. So we asked, obviously, the age and, and gender breakdown. And women, you know, as you, you rightly say, it's been suggested they wouldn't, you know, feel comfortable. And there were lots of women um, in the audience last week who were telling quite strongly uh, that they find that nons nonsensical. Um, people who were at Hillsborough as well, and you know, I think that seven in ten voted to just show that there is a, you know, there is broad support for this amongst our supporters, and I think you know it's important we ask that question so that people didn't think, you know, this is just the young ones wanting to be in favour of it. Uh, so last little thing then is is what happens here. You've said before, you said that you're going to go up to Celtic and have a little look from an S. There's, there's, I mean, there's two different conversations, so we'll we'll deal with each of them in turn. The first one's the SOS conversation. The SOS conversation is. You're going to be looking into it from a from a Liverpool specific point of view next, I presume. And but but there's not a ticking clock on that. No, you're not all. You know, you're not trying to force this through in the next six months, three months, one month. It's the idea that this is an ongoing process from a Liverpool point of view. It's going to take some time. Yeah, there's an entire other process, I think, to to talk to people about whether it ever should be in place at you know Liverpool or elsewhere. Uh, I think you know we we'll, we will just take a period of time to reflect on the results, break them down a bit more, see what numbers tell us. Um, I'll enjoy a couple of weeks of not thinking about numbers and worrying about turnout <laughs> and watching my phone go absolutely ballistic as it has today. Um, but, you know, engage and have deep conversations with, with people who are involved. You know, no doubt a conversation with the club and tell them, talk to them about the results. But also, we're all, you know, the season's back. A couple of people have been to pre-season games. We're about to all be back in amongst the boozers that we're in, having conversations, having yeah. chats now's the time. Let, let, yeah, let people, you know, let, let them sit with the results, see what they make of it, you know, have conversations and, and we'll pick it up on an appropriate point. You know, we've made the decision on, on whether we're in favour of it and that's fairly decisive. But, you know, I think, the conversation about Liverpool and Anfield specifically, you know, you're, you're right, it's not time sensitive, but I think it's inevitable it will happen. Uh, and on the national scale, again, we've discussed that the tone that you want people to take and, and, and that, that sort of thing. But there is, you know, you're in touch with other supporter groups with, with the FSF. There is the desire for people to maybe begin to accelerate this process, begin to sort of involve governments. Government's very busy at the minute. Uh, what were they trying to deal yeah, with? Lots one, going on. With one, yeah, with one specific I thought I was busy. <laughs> but it is, you know, that, again, the same sort of time should be taken from a Liverpool point of view, but that nationally, you know, it might be that this this issue gets talked about not just for the next week, but it's sort of the backdrop to football culture conversations for the for the, for the season to come. Yeah, it's, it's a significant step. We, we know that this is... I won't, I won't say historic, but you know it's it's huge in in the development of of the discussions on rail seat. And, you know that's judged by the response I've gotten today um, to people wanting to pick this up. I think you're right; it's important. I think the thing it does within that though as well is it 
means Liverpool supporters and Hillsborough are no longer just referenced, but are actually talked about yeah. and involved in this. Because, you know, for too long, we've almost been seen as a reason not to do it. Or that if we say, yeah, it can all just happen and no one needs to ever speak to them again. You know, I think this has shown, you know, we've set out a position. It's now important to think that, that others take that argument and, and discussion forward with their football clubs. But, you know, we'll always you know, make sure our views heard and, and known within that. Okay, uh, thank you to Andy Heaton, thanks to Jay McKenna taking the time coming in. Uh, Jay can have a massive Monday, maybe a relatively big Tuesday and then let's all give him a bit of peace for a couple of weeks. Uh, and he can just enjoy the footy coming back as well. Back over now to, uh, to Stu, to Paul and to John. Always great to speak to Jay. Uh, all right, back to the back to the argument, which is, what do you think he's going to do? Because we can we've talked about what we're going to do, and obviously he'll listen and he'll take the advice on board. It's good like that. Uh, as didn't come through from Mel's interview, uh, he must be furious. Like 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 Benitez before, he must be furious by the amount of former Liverpool players who work in the media. You know, yeah. um, breaking but, news here, Neil. Go on, Joe Gomez out of the Audi Cup matches. Okay. Minor knee injury. Minor knee injury. You can't, you can't make either of the Audi Cup games. Uh, Liverpool are going to have to go on and take their second piece of silverware, but not the last of the season without them. <laughs> See, but the, you know the injury, they've started already. Yeah. They've started already. <laughs> Since the last one. I don't know. Feels like needle, that. Yeah. Uh, feels like needle all around. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, t- the clock's ticking, and, you know, he's very much his own man. I don't think that either of the situations Van Dyke or Kaiser are, are done. But where he is very own his own man, Stu, and I believe he is very own his own man, and I believe he's, and he said so the day he came in, I think he publicly drives Liverpool's transfer business. However, there is another force here, which is there will be pressure on the ownership if the deals that either the manager looks like he wants or which supporters want to see don't happen. That's, that is going to become factor in this, you know, that they are going to begin to, to, to come aggressively under the microscope, rightly or wrongly uh, and people listening to this would have different views, I'm sure all in the room have got different views, but there will be pressure on this from their point of view if if the business ends now or if the business ends with, with only one more in possibly, if it wasn't Virgil van Dijk. Yeah, I, I was thinking, when we were talking before, we were mentioning about um, previous campaigns under under Hule, under Benitez, under under Rogers, and the the transfer um, signs we we made at the time, the transfer market situation at the time, and and I think we were we always knew it at that time that we were dealing with a very with with with, with a budget with a ceiling on it. And so Benitez, for example, you know, we'd have to move one out often to get another lad in. And this season, you know, all the talk in the press had been, you know, prior to the window opening, was that you know Liverpool were going to break the bank several times. There was, there was even talk of potentially a two hundred million war chest and all this kind of carry on, um, which, for all we know, is true. And you mentioned there about the manager being his own man, um, and that actually could in a way, almost be adding to the pressure that's on FSG because if he is very clear in his mind that I only want these two fellas and if we can't get these two fellas over the line, then I'm not interested in anyone else because I'm happy with the, the lads that we've got. If he, And it, it, it seems that he's like that. Then that then adds pressure, as you said, to, to FSG that, that potentially they're not bringing on themselves. If they're... If, if, if the reports are true and there is this war chest there and they're, they're willing to spend, and by the looks of it, for the bids that we've made, they are willing to spend a lot of money. You could argue, to be devil's advocate here, that it's, it's not really their fault if we don't get them over the lines because we've got unwilling sellers in, in, in Leipzig we've got and, and in Southampton um, with the two players that were, were, were at, the, the, the manager is adamant that he wants and no one else. But then 
the person who's listening to this who thinks that it is their fault saying, well, they need to put more money in. Mm. It needs to go even further, Paul. Hey, well, it's, it, well, it's it, also it, as well, you've got, you, they've, they've employed Michael Edwards to do deals and, and if he can't get them over the line, then should they have gone with someone more experienced? There's, 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 there's lots of ways where it yeah, becomes yeah. interesting. Yeah. I think if they, if they sell, because if they sell Sacco, Moreno, Markovic, then we've made a profit in the transfer window. And again. Again, as you say, again, and people are looking at it. And if we don't start great, I think, I think it's 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 brave or stupid not to to to, to have another window like that because it does going to put pressure on them. And and I'm with you on that. I I don't think Jürgen's that bothered about about spreadsheets. I don't think he's the one to. He, I don't think he's thinking. Oh, bloody hell, we made a profit this window. Mm. Why are we spending more? I think he's he's probably the most relaxed person in Anfield about it. Fully mm. enough, I think I think I think Michael Edwards is, isn't isn't thinking. Oh, oh and I and I great stuff. Mm. What I've done, he's probably thinking. Oh, bloody hell, you know, there's there's going to be pressure on me. I think the owners. I mean, it. I mean, the owners. It's 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 hard to tell sometimes how, how bothered they are, you know. And I think I, I don't mean that as a, as a as, it's just kind of blind criticism. I just mean generally, you know. Sometimes, you know, it's hard to it's hard to tell kind of you know how, how engaged they are and how involved they are and things like that. I, I gathered they were in Berlin at the weekend, um, but I don't know. So, so for them, they 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 might not feel the the pressure that that we expect them to because they're just not thinking about it a great deal. But and they're not living here. But I think within the club, I think the. There might be a few people who 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 get a bit twitchy and who might be saying to Jürgen, "Look, are you sure there's no one you mm, can yeah. get mm. for you here last mm. week?" Because as I say, if the you know it's all hypothetical, but you know the Sacco, Marino, Markovic are for sale. I think even if they sold two of them, you might be looking at it and thinking, "Well, you well, know, it would be in profit if they sold yeah, two of them, yeah, 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 for the money that they're looking yeah, to if get." If they sold Sacco and Markovic, I think that depending on how Solanke's tribunal ends up, yeah, they end up in profit. Yeah, so I think I think then there might there might actually be a few people saying to Jürgen, you know, and maybe you know they get beat at Offered or something, we're all hoping that doesn't happen. But the end, you know, pressure's coming from the fans, yeah. and, and I think you know they, they, they do take notice. The people in the club they do take notice. I think there might be a few people saying to Jürgen, "Look, surely there's some sense yeah. of that." <laughs> Any hopes? Yeah. Any hopes? I think it just fuels fires, doesn't it? Sometimes that you like I saw something. I think it was on Twitter. And I know you don't take anything that you see on that for, for gossip, but it was saying like you know if it had been, and I don't necessarily agree with it. If it had been United, if it had been Chelsea, if it had been City, the kite they would have been done. And I, I, we don't know what goes on behind the scenes, and, and that might be absolute rubbish. But it's that that argument that I don't agree with. This, by the way, that that people say, yeah. well, if we we finish this transfer window in profit, we should have said, what right? Okay, so we have to sixty six million. There's eighty, and what do you want to we? The, but that doesn't necessarily guarantee you get the fella. No. But that's what people will say. That's what yeah. fuel will some fire, and he'll go. You know, FSG. We only want to, and and it's unfair, really. But it, it just adds that to the. Well, do you really want Kaita? Get him. And I, it's harder than that. It's not as simple as that. But that's what some people say. It's not as simple as that. But but it'll become. It'll become valid. Fuck mm. you on this, Paul, because because what you can't, you know, you could you could end up in profit. You could end up here. You could end up with only having sort of spend 30, 40 million in a climate where you're watching our rivals spend three, in some cases four times that. Where suddenly and you be got and you would be sort of wondering yourself. And that's where if then to go back to Stu's scenario, not that it's a bad season. Liverpool have qualified from the group stage. They've had a decent Christmas period. A mild stumble in January. The nine points off the pace, mm. and everyone's going. Well, what if? Yeah, and that's. 
and this is where you know with the manager talks, and I think it's interesting with the manager because I think he, you know, we keep. I always say things like, if he was here now, if he was here now, we could all have a lovely football chat, yeah. dead honest, dead open, yeah. all this sort of stuff. But this is where at times, you know, where he talks about wanting to turn doubters into believers. I think he's done that. But there's one more little thing here, which is I think what we as supporters sort of want is we sort of want to eradicate not knowing. We sort of want to eradicate what if. Yeah. That's what we want Liverpool to do. Yeah. It's just eradicate what if. So Jürgen Klopp, so we, we, not, none of us go to bed not knowing. Can Jürgen Klopp do it? Can he do it with this set of players plus? Can he do it? And I think that's the killer. That's what that, yeah. that's what grabs Liverpool supporters. That's what's got you up nights. And because especially the way this, this summer has gone with... we. He wanted Keita, he wanted he wants Van Dijk, let's say still. Um obviously did the other eye on Solanke, they've got Salah. The targets that he wanted, if we got those, we could say, like you just said, well there's no what if. If we finish third, no excuse. Yeah, no he got his his main man, he was now I, I don't necessarily agree with that, but it's that it's it's that whole you you sat there sat there again going, if only we'd have got Keita. Imagine. And if we, we put sixty six in for him, we've made we we're in profit. We could have put another ten on that. And gone seventy six. Test likes to go to the to the max. Really, you're not going to give him that because what can he go for? Forty four next summer. Forty next summer. Yeah. So you know you're going to double it. It's just that what if, and it's like anything. You can't say what it would be like or what it wouldn't. But it just you say Neil, you don't, you don't want to get to January and go. Oh. <sighs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and be, and I'm not in any shape or form an FSG apologist, but I'm just trying to look at it rationally and think. If they if they're making the money available, the fellow in charge doesn't want to spend it on players he doesn't want, and the only players that he does want, the clubs that we're dealing with, are saying, "Listen, you can offer us two hundred million, we're not selling them." And did, I mean, didn't didn't Leipzig say? Didn't they say? Didn't they quote? Basically, just said they're not selling. Regardless, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, you offer us the moon, you're not you're not having him. Yeah. So, you know, I think I think it becomes quite harsh to judge. I think that you know they've had some FSG at times that I think is deserved, and I think at other times they've not got the credit that they deserve as well. I think they've done a, a really good job infrastructurally within the club. Um, I, I actually I heard Johnny Johnny Milburn on a show last week, uh, and I heard a great suggestion that if we do end up getting a profit, the one way to, to actually you know turn it into a positive from a PR front was actually say you know, we're going to use the money and do the uh, the Annie Road stand. That'd be that'd be a great solution <laughs> if it if it if that, that that turned out. But um, yeah, I, I think. I think just trying to be balanced. Um, I don't think the the, the the manager is necessarily doing what Rafa would do and giving them a list of twenty players that they, they go to. You know what I mean? And, so, and end up on like number seven and yeah, number, yeah. number fourteen. Yeah, and- but I mean it's it's funny though with the manager, isn't it? Because he is sort of he sort of is up for suggestions as well. Like I mean, I don't think Solanke was on any list that he had, but you know they, they went to him said, "Do we think we can get him?" He's he's a really good young player, and he trusted them on that. I mean, there's there's obviously levels of signing that mm. maybe he's more willing to to trust people on, but I just think I think it'll be tough for them if they make a profit this window, and I think it's it's to do with do FSG have the ability to 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 bring a league title to Liverpool, and I use the word ability on purpose because it can. It can mean a few different things. It can mean financial ability, or is it just ability to run a football club in in a way that does it? And I think it it will be seen as a lot of by a lot of supporters as, as a failure to failure to truly strengthen. And is that because the pockets aren't deep enough? Is that because of the people they've employed at the football club can't get enough deals over the line or can't identify enough players? You know, for the, for the manager, because you know you, you sort of you sort of refuse to believe there's only two players in the whole of Europe who can <laughs> who can improve our squad because there's a lot of footballers and and loads of them are good. And so and so you you kind of get into that scenario really. And and if the you know 
should they have known earlier that Kaito was a no-goer? You know, for example, and then you've got more time to kind of look at other things. Are you looking at players who've who've gone, who've moved already? Like, I mean, for for, for example, if we if we if we get to the end and we don't get a centre half, I'm looking at Bournemouth buying Nathan Aki and thinking, well, well, he's better than Clavin in my head, mm. and so so things like that. If you if you know, if you, I'm looking at him now, John. <laughs> I know. I knew I was preaching to the converted on that <laughs> one, playing to the crowd. But so I think. I think you know there's there's always ways. I know what you're saying, Stu, and, and it's not always their fault, and everything's not their fault. But I mean, this is what they've signed up for. They've signed up for, to 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 win things at Liverpool, and they've won one League Cup. And eventually, you've 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 got to start saying, well, you know, is you, you can make the money available, and you can say your intentions are great, and but it's it's just not happening with with kind of you know what for whatever reason with with the kind of using charge. But it it it's one of those situations where. It's it's funny with the way the transfer window goes because we've what well, we've played a couple of times by the window's ending. So I think I think maybe even the, the first couple of games has a big has a big effect on on how we're feeling as supporters because obviously if we win them and everyone's looking great and there's there's few injuries and there's good players you can't get on the bench then then I think people are sort of are more relaxed. Whereas you know you, if every time you look at your phone and your player gets injured and, and you know those players don't go how we want then. Uh, Pressures do rise on and it's, it's, it's external pressures, and I don't believe that the, the squad and the management are just able to kind of push them away quite as easy as they like. It's been it's been the biggest area I think of contention. It's been the biggest area of criticism that they've had, isn't it, around recruitment? So, you know, whether it was with Camoli, whether it's with been with the committee, we had the Sanchez fiasco after after Suarez left. You know, as, as a very high profile one. Obviously, now the the appointments of Michael Edwards, so a lot of people like who um, we've had Ian Ear when he was in that position. Was was getting a, a, a huge amount of criticism, and it always seems to focus there. When you look at the commercial side of things and the in, in, infrastructural stuff within the club, you feel the club's in a really, really healthy position. Mm. Done a great job with the main stand and all that. Um, but on the football front, which you know is the most important, that's where the criticism is lay, and and they've, they've they've allayed that a little bit with you know they've gone some way to do that by uh, recruiting Klopp and getting him in. I mean that was. You know, fantastic thing that they've done there and given us a manager of true world class class caliber, um, and it does it raised question marks immediately over the validity of the committee at that point and who was actually pulling the strings. Uh, unlike when Rogers was there, when he felt it was very much the committee that were running the show, um, and now you know you've got Michael Edwards in in this position appointed and some would say above his station by FSG uh, and I, to bring you back to the very first point you made on this John was, you know that, that's where the criticism I think is largely going to centre if, if we don't get these things over the line OK uh, thank you very much to the three gentlemen in the room listen uh, Liverpool play the Audi Cup and we'll be doing post-match shows actually on, obviously on tour player around that they play in the Audi Cup without Joe Gomez uh, but hopefully they're able to bring it home regardless uh, against Bayern Munich uh, on Tuesday and then Shite. and then because because <laughs> these people don't care about the podcasters we've got no idea when it kicks off on Wednesday I'm just trying to have a life in comparison to all of this uh, on the Wednesday so we could kick off at five or at half seven on Wednesday um, and we play a game of football and I don't even know who we're against and you know I'm, I'm just trying to arrange shows lads so you know if you could just not do this again it'd be great uh, and then on Saturday uh, sorry on Friday we shoot over to Ireland and we've got our event which has sold out we're made up about that come down and come have a lovely time loads of laughs hopefully uh, loads and loads of talk about the new season and uh, more than a few pints with us on the Friday night excited about that and then on the Saturday Liverpool play Bilbao but before then there's an event at the Lansdowne Hotel in Dublin it's a free outdoor it's outdoors it's a free outdoor event it says here I think there's a combination I think there's an outdoor area. I've just read that for the first time. It's a free outdoor event. We've never played outdoors. 
again, I think I think there's both going on. Okay. I think there's, I think there's a bounty castle. Well, I mean, <laughs> and hopefully that's our stage. <laughs> um, the run order is as follows: There's a DJ from 12 p.m. till 2 p.m. Uh, we're doing something at, um, at 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 from about two o'clock till about half two. These times might change. There's a band on. There's a DJ in a raffle, and then after the game, back to the hotel for the, more with the DJ. Have they asked you to bring your gear? No, I haven't been asked the DJ. No, I'm fine with that. To be honest, yeah, with you. To be, you, you, you want to be off from half two, don't you? <laughs> Uh, wheels up uh, like, like, like the two teachers um, <laughs> who by the way should be a DJ name <laughs> get these two go. lads over what a set that would be uh, more queen than you could shake a stick at um, and there's raffles and things like that they're doing all that sort of stuff uh, tickets to the raffle will be 5 euros do buy one if you can uh, and all that sort of stuff that'll take place at about 4pm so that's with the Irish Reds we're really looking forward to it at the Lansdowne Hotel in Dublin uh, we'll be there chatting wham uh, well all the way through probably but on a stage from 2pm till 2.30 uh, one to one wham session can be arranged uh, normally at the price of a pint. Uh, we do also like to buy our own, so there'll be if we do seem to have our Speak own. Speak <laughs> And we'll go from there. Listen, uh, Stu and Paul, fantastic to have them in. John as well, uh, Jay McKenna, uh, Andy Heaton involved in that little bit as well. You'll have heard his voice earlier on. It's been the Anfield Wrap this week. It's been a belter. Sports Social Podcast Network.